really appreciate Bob sharing his story with us, and I asked him to specifically because we today are going to look at Simeon and Anna, and they are um, in Luke's Christmas story, Luke chapter 2, and or one. Oh my gosh, I'm having a brain freeze. I can't remember if it's Luke chapter one or two. I think it's two. Um, I've been in that chapter all week and I can't remember which one. doesn't matter. The point is, is that's the story we're going to talk about today is Simeon and Anna. And they were both people who waited patiently and who, as Bob mentioned, lived to see the Messiah come in their day. But before we share that story, um, I want to share a story that I saw on Instagram. I'm trying to get off social media, but every once in a while I dip in and take a look at a few stories. And I saw this story, and there's a lot of content right now on social media about healthcare professionals and teachers. And we all recognize the challenges they are facing right now. And this is one thing I appreciate about both healthcare professionals and uh, teachers is that they're passionate. They're passionate about our health and they're passionate about our education. And these are hard times and they're all laboring long hours at great personal sacrifice. And so in this short clip, we see Dr. James Brown of Chapman University and his first year college students. And it's a quick clip. And so I'm gonna set it a little bit. Um, what I hear in Dr. Brown is just confusion, disappointment, and frustration with the class dynamics of Zoom. And you can just, <laughs> you can feel it and it's hard, but I want you to see what happens next. You cool thing to do, not turn your camera on. I've heard that. I've heard that in some classes, nobody turns their camera on, including the instructor. <laughs> oh my gosh. Hey, here we go. Seriously, is it my, is it my fault do I, that you have your cameras off? So Dr. Brown, we actually kind of wanted to do something. Um, with, your, with your cameras off? Everybody, if you wanna go ahead. Oh, you guys, well, you're going to make me cry. Oh. Oh, but I'm ready for you guys. Thank you. So the first time I saw that clip, I cried so hard because I'm working with, I have three students at my house and I know how much they want to learn and I know how much their teachers want to teach them. And to see that gratitude from those students to surprise that professor, it just, it warmed my heart. <laughs> um, can we not all relate though to Dr. Brown's frustration too? As well as his students, He's doing his best to impart knowledge, to teach his students how to survive and thrive. They're, it's a first year college course to teach them how to navigate college. And can anyone teach that course these days? 
I know how frustrated those students are because I have two in my life right now. <laughs> and it's hard. Yet in this video, we see that through the challenges and frustration and the longing for this crazy season to end breaks this sliver of hope that they have learned something, <laughs> that kindness and generosity and gratitude are still at work and Zoom and online learning can't keep us from that kindness. I wonder if that act of kindness might have stirred up hope in Dr. Brown that he's accomplishing something or he's imparted something valuable to his students. I share this story because I think it's beautiful and because each one of us has the same innate desire to do the same. We each want to impart something valuable to others. Each one of us wants to give our time, our talent, our treasure, our attention to something greater than ourselves. What is it for you? Last week, we read the story of Jesus's mother, Mary, a young woman with her whole entire future ahead of her. And she surrenders her life and her body to God. And she says, I am your servant. May your word come true in my life. She willingly gives of herself to contribute to something greater. This week, when we look at Simeon and Anna, two people who were in the latter stages of their lives and were still waiting to see the Messiah. So let's read from Luke 1. Here's my reference. Yay, I have it in here. At that time, there was a man in Jerusalem named Simeon. Could we get that scripture up? Is it not working? Okay, it's not working, so um, that's okay. You guys can listen, right? At that time, there was a man in Jerusalem named Simeon. He was righteous and devout and was eagerly waiting for the Messiah to come and rescue Israel. The Holy Spirit was upon him and had revealed to him that he would not die until he had seen the Lord's Messiah. That day, the Spirit led him to the temple. So when Mary and Joseph came to present the baby Jesus to the Lord as the law required, Simeon was there. He took the child in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, now let your servant die in peace as you promised. I have seen your salvation, which you have prepared for all people. He is a light to reveal God to the nations, and he is the glory of your people, Israel. Jesus' parents were amazed at, was being, at what was being said about him. Then Simeon blessed him, and he said to Mary, the baby's mother, this child is destined to cause many in Israel to fall and many others to rise. He has been sent as a sign from God, but many will oppose him. As a result, the deepest thoughts of many hearts will be revealed, and a sword will pierce your very soul. Also there was Anna, a prophet, there in the temple. She was the daughter of Phanuel from the tribe of Asher, and she was very old. Her husband died when they had been married only seven years. Then she lived as a widow to the age of 84. She never left the temple, but stayed there day and night, worshiping God with fasting and prayer. She came along just as Simeon was talking with Mary and Joseph, and she began praising God. She talked about the child to everyone who had been waiting expectantly for God 
to rescue Jerusalem. I want to point out five things about these, these two people and this story, and I'm gonna, then I'm going to share a personal story. So the first thing, we have two faithful believers, persistent in their waiting, persistent in believing for Jesus, the Messiah, to be revealed. They're people of worship and prayer. Simeon, it says, he was righteous and devout and was eagerly waiting. Another translation says he was waiting for the consolation of Israel. Anna, she was a prophet, listening to the voice of God, speaking what she had heard to others. She never left the temple day and night. She was a worshiper and a prayer. She was committed to the vision that God had put in her heart. Simeon, even though he wasn't a priest or a prophet, just an ordinary man, he had an incredible relationship with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, it says, was upon him and had revealed to him that he wouldn't die until the, he had seen the Lord's Messiah. So in general, he had this connection with the Messiah. He had this connection with the Holy Spirit that fed him constantly. May we be people like that, that we know what the Holy Spirit is saying. And he was obedient. That day, the Spirit led him to the temple. That's how obedient, that's how quick Simeon was to what he heard the Holy Spirit saying. Each of them were determined in their focus to see Messiah, Jesus, revealed. May we hear and obey like Anna and Simeon. May we be people who long to see Jesus reve revealed. Excuse me. Number two. Simeon was waiting for the consolation of Israel, and Anna was looking for God to rescue Jerusalem. They had a very insular focus in some ways, their people, their city. And yet, Simeon's song of praise is way bigger than that. This is what he sings. He sings or declares I have seen your salvation, which you have prepared for all people. He is a light to reveal God to the nations. That's why we're sending Cheryl. And he is the glory of your people, Israel. Even with their own focus on their own people, Simeon's song praises God because God's goodness goes way beyond them. If our gatherings, if our praise and worship, if our prayers are only for our tribe, we have cut God terribly short. We don't have enough vision. Jesus came to reveal God to the nations and to bring salvation to all people. Point number three, Joseph and Mary are blessed and amazed at Simeon's words, and yet, this isn't gonna be easy. Simeon says to Mary, this child is destined to cause many in Israel to fall and many others to rise. He has been sent as a sign from God, but many will oppose him. As a result, the deepest thoughts of many hearts will be revealed and a sword will pierce your very soul. Ouch. 
This blessing comes with a message of trials ahead of her, of pain. And we know this to be true. Remember Peter, the disciple, with his constant ups and downs, rising and falling. Remember the crowds at one point lauding him and giving Jesus praise and, oh, everything's exciting and wonderful. And in the next moment, crucify him. At the cross, one thief accepts Jesus and the other rejects him. Today, there are those of us who receive the gift of Jesus and there are others who don't. And like Mary, when it's someone we love so much, when it's someone we care about so much, some days what we're passionate about can feel like a sword piercing our very soul. Following Jesus like Mary or waiting for Jesus to be revealed like Anna and Simeon, seeing salvation for all peoples is many times a painful, long transforming process. Be encouraged. <laughs> Don't give up. Their promises are our promises. Point number four. Still we are here worshiping, believing, waiting, serving. May we be like Anna, talking to everyone we've seen who's looking for a savior about Jesus. Let's be a worshiping, waiting, serving people. Amen. Thank you. <laughs> Number five, Jesus, Emmanuel, meaning God with us. From the very, very beginning identifies with humanity. We have a little baby here today. We have a little John Isaac. He's so adorable. He's so cute. I've been so blessed to watch him grow. He's a child of promise. And it's like, I would want no pain to come on him. I would want nothing, you know, to harm him. And here's God, he comes as a baby. He's born of a woman with blood and sweat in the most hidden, messy, even rejected place. There's no place in the inn. That's where Jesus comes to us. And then he's taken this perfect, spotless, innocent baby, God with us, is taken to the temple for purification and for circumcision rites and to offer sacrifices for sin even though he was without sin, a blameless lamb. A newborn baby, already at eight days old, his body is marked, and he identifies with us in our birth and the fallen state of humankind. That's why Bob, in his picture of Simeon holding the baby, has in the background the gate and the road to the cross, that Jesus is gonna take. I'm so thankful for Mary, the mother of Jesus, who carried him and her body and Joseph who parented him and cared for Mary. And I'm thankful for the example of a young couple laying down their lives for Emmanuel. 
But I'm also thankful for Simeon and Anna, who in the latter years of their lives, they didn't give up hope, but they pressed forward patiently, waiting for the revelation of Jesus, for the salvation of all people. It takes both. It takes all of us, right? Now for a story. This last year or so, I've asked the Lord to show me fruit of seed I've sown. I'm sure we all are like that professor or like we've been trying to do good. We've been trying to do our best and extend grace. And we're like, is this working? Is the areas I've sown into, are they bearing fruit? Is what I'm doing worthwhile? I ask this Lord every few years over all my walk with God, because when I have a testimony, when I have a story of God's faithfulness, it fuels me to keep going. My whole life, I, I've, I've been a Jesus follower. I love Jesus. <laughs> Jesus is worth it for me. And I pray that I've told people about Jesus and shared his kindness and spoken of his salvation everywhere I've gone. But some days I wonder, if, am I being effective? Or like Dr. Brown, did I do something wrong? Like, why isn't this working? So God has been so faithful to bring me such beautiful encouragement this year. And I wanna share one of those stories of encouragement. It's about a girl named Marie, and I've changed her name. Over six years ago, I went with a handful of people from this church. We went down to Colorado City, which is in Southern Utah. And it's um, a, a city known for being an enclave and hub for fundamentalist polygamists groups like Warren Jeff's group. We stayed overnight and we prayed in this kind of big house and community center. It, and um, at the time it was not a place of worship. I'm so excited to tell you today that there is now a church that meets there where people come of their own free will and not by force. <laughs> so that's one good news. But we spent the whole night praying down there. We drive back the next day. And that evening we were meeting with a friend. And uh, while we were with her, she's like, I need your help. She said, I know this girl from a local fundamentalist group who really needs to get out of a very abusive situation. That would be Marie. She was one of over 40 siblings and she was almost 18 years old and she wanted to transition out of her community. Sometimes when you're praying for something, God has you do something about it. As um, author Rosaria Butterfield says, the good news comes with a house key. <laughs> so sometimes like Simeon and Anna, we have to pray and trust for God to come and be revealed, right? But other times, like Mary and Joseph, our prayers require physical action. So through a series of events, several months later, when she turned 18, she ended up being in our home. We ended up hosting in our home. Our only goal, well, two goals. We wanted to help her best transition out of a fundamentalist polygamous culture. That was the main goal. Of course, I wanted to share Jesus with her, 
But we had to really understand that she came out of a community where spiritual and physical abuse were done in the name of Jesus and in the name of God and church. So we were very careful. We did not want to put any spiritual pressure on her. Um, Hopefully we accomplished that, but we didn't know, right? Marie was super talented, crazy intelligent, very delightful. But this was a dramatic and traumatic change for her. Holding out help, which is a local organization that helps people with this all the time, um, they call their clients, like Marie, they call them um, internal refugees. They leave their home without any ID, any money, any um, often little to no education, and nothing but the clothes on their backs. That was Marie. So the learning curve for her was crazy high. She lived with us for several months. I can't remember how long, but it came to a very abrupt end and she took off. It was okay, we weren't surprised. This new life was not easy for her, but we were sad because despite attempts to connect, we no longer saw her or even talked with her. It felt so dramatic of an end to the relationship. It was like all of a sudden she was gone and the screen went black. I have never stopped praying for her. I pray for her and I believe for Jesus to be revealed to her and I believe for her wounds to be made whole and that she would thrive in regular culture. I prayed for her so often, but when I prayed, I often wondered, did we, were our prayers effective? Did the meals and the life we lived together, did they mean anything? Were they like, oh, God forbid that they were damaging or Lord, just, I just hope that was helpful for her. That was my prayer, right? (laughs) So, Again, like teachers, like healthcare, like teachers, are we, are we being effective? Or like healthcare professionals, professionals, did we provide enough care? Are we making the right choices? Or like Simeon and Anna, will I get to see the redemption? Will I get to see Jesus revealed to the people I care about? Sometimes we don't hear the end of the story. Simeon and Anna, they were very old they likely didn't get to see the end of the story with Jesus. And we have to be okay with that. Sometimes when I pray for people that that I've prayed for, sometimes when I'm praying for people and people groups and things that I care about, I have to say, Lord, I might not ever know what happened. I might not ever know how they are doing. I might not, I don't know and I have to be okay with it. So the last time I heard from Marie was 2016 in May, but this week I got to hear from her and I wanna share with you uh, what she wrote us. Hey, Sarah, I know it's been years. I'm just gonna share parts of the letter. So if it's a little disjointed, I've cut out some pieces. Hey, Sarah, I know it's been years since we spoke, but I've been wanting to reach out to you for a while now. I wanted to express my gratitude for you 
and know how much you're a part of my journey through transitioning to the real world. I'm sorry if I wasn't what you expected when you first welcomed me into your home. I know I was a lot to handle, being a teenager thrown into the real world, not knowing what to expect. But I just wanted to say thank you. Thank you for allowing me to come into your home and getting to know your family, for teaching me boundaries, even though I didn't really get them at first, and showing me what unconditional love means. Whenever I tell my story of my life about leaving the cult, you and your family are very highlighted. You have no idea how grateful I am that you allowed me the space to grow into who I am now. Thank you for teaching me about the true love of Christ and how no matter the way we drift, we can always find our way back. You and Aaron taught me what true love is and what to look for in a partnership and led a great example that I'd never seen. I'm sorry I haven't kept in touch and that I ran away in a sense so quickly. To be honest, I was overwhelmed with the love you showed me that I didn't feel like I belonged. I want you to know how sorry I am for not knowing, for not believing that someone could actually care for someone they hardly knew. I understand it all now. Finally, after all these years, and I just want you to know that you are the reason I got to learn this. You're part of the core of who I've become, and I love and cherish you for that. Ooh. Is that not helpful? Thank you, Lord. There's a lot going on in the world right now, and we're all doing our best to share Jesus with those around us in very unusual circumstances. I hope that we're like Mary and we've said yes to bearing witness to Jesus in our journeys, in our bodies, in pain. And I hope on other days we're like Simeon and Anna, that we hold fast to worship, prayer, and waiting on the Holy Spirit for something we don't see except for far off. Jesus tells so many stories about waiting and watching for the kingdom. So many about waiting. One in the book of Luke, chapter 21, Jesus is preparing his disciples for the day when the temple in Jerusalem would be destroyed and the persecution they would face and all the trials and the challenges and signs and wonders and just, it's chapter about chaos. But he says, when these things take place, stand up, lift up your heads because your redemption is drawing near. I've been walking around a lot these days like this. Stand up, lift up your heads, because your redemption is drawing near. Would you stand with me as I close with a blessing? I wanna bless you before we leave. This is a prayer for all of us. In the name of Jesus, we ask God 
But may we be a people who carry Simeon and Anna hearts in these days. May we have patient, waiting, devoted hearts. May we keep our eyes fixed on the promise of Jesus' work in our lives and the lives of those around us. May we remain steadfast in worship and prayer and focus. May we not grow weary in doing good. And like Anna and Simeon, may we talk about Jesus to all who are waiting for his redemption. Jesus is here, the kingdom is here. May we be a people that declare to all around us, stand up, lift up your heads, your redemption is drawing near. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, God bless you all as you go this week.